fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of Fireside and Some Flights. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And tonight I am feeling much better and I am very excited I'm about so it. Glad so to like hear it. so last yeah. episode I, I was still kind of getting over the the COVID. But now I, I feel much better. So hopefully there's gonna be a lot less coughing this episode. So so that's good. <laughs> so we're You're happy. Drinking something besides tea and cough drops. I, I am. It's very exciting. I'm still I'm still drinking I did drink some tea just because like I drank so much tea throughout like the, the whole Rona stint that I'm like now really enjoy tea. So I did drink a mm. I did drink a, a mug, a glass, I don't what do you say? Glass of tea, mug of tea? I don't what's the word? A cuppa. Cuppa. Cuppa tea. C U P P A. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I did drink one right before the episode. But you bring up a good point. We are drinking. So Dalton, mm-hmm. do you want to start us out? What's on your flight? I am drinking Buffalo Trace, which I first had, I had to actually look this up. I first had on episode three, the Mech System episode, which released on like March 5th of 2020. That's insane. So it has been quite a while since, I know. And actually part (laughs) of the reason it's been so long since I've had this one is because I kind of, this was like my kind of just like go-to like mid-tier for a long time. Okay. Yeah, um, and then I switched to Elijah Craig, and I've been drinking a lot of C- Elijah Craig, the official uh, bourbon of the Fantasy Flight podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and and so I haven't had it in a long time, but I, I've kind of been missing it. I picked it up, and it's 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 a very like mild, like soft, almost just like straightforward bourbon. Super nice to sip on. It's not like you know overpowering taste in any one direction. It's got a lot of corn in it, and it's just it's very. It's like, you know, exactly, it's like providing exactly what you come for. You know what I mean? Like when you, yeah. it's like, hey, can you just give me something nice that'll make me feel better? And Buffalo Trace is like, I got you. Yeah, that's awesome. I cannot believe that it's been that long since you had Buffalo Trace. For some reason, I was like, I don't know. It's been like five episodes ago. I, I don't know. It's been you know, over <laughs> a year. It's, it's kind of weird. Like before we hop into my flights, I I sent you a, a Snapchat on Friday. I was at a friend's like housewarming party and I had the, mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was called. It's like 1792. 92. Cool. Oh, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. I like that. That was just really smooth. Mm-hmm. I, it was amazing. He let me have some and I, I really enjoy that. But that unfortunately is not what I'm drinking tonight. It came up briefly when our discussions around like small batch bourbons, it kind of competes in that. Oh, okay. It's not cool. like a hefty, it's not going to, it's not like a 60. I mean, you, well, first of all, they're one that they do have nicer bottles. You can spend a lot. Yeah. If you were just having like their kind of like regular run of the mill, like small batch bourbon, I, I think it runs around like 30 to 40, like in that tier. Oh, really? If I'm remembering right. Hmm. I haven't bought make- one though, so I, I could totally be wrong on that. This is one where I'm like speaking, like, oh, yeah. I know what I'm talking about. I could be totally up. wrong, and I let you cost. <laughs> I think, yeah, but who knows? It, it was really good. So if it is only thirty, forty dollars, I'll definitely be picking some of that up. I I do owe yeah. my my local liquor store a trip, so I'll have to see if they have that. Yeah, for sure. But on my flight tonight, I am drinking on. Um, a, a beer that's actually was gifted to me by one of our listeners, Jim. And so this is Accumulation by New Belgium. So this is a uh, a white IPA. Uh, it's about a 6.2 APV, the white IPA. So it's a very clear IPA. Almost It almost kind of looks like a Pilsner. So like any like mm-hmm. like your cheap Pilsners, your Michelob Ultra, Budweiser or whatever. Uh, but it's, SRM is like a three or four. So it's a very, very like kind of clear looking IPA. 
um, which, which is kind of cool. It's not too bitter. It's sitting at around a 55 IBU. It's very refreshing, right? So it's, mm-hmm. I, I'm really enjoying it. It's I don't think white IPAs are my favorite type of IPAs, um, but it's definitely like a really nice refreshing drink now that it's starting to warm up around around here. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, on these fireside episodes, we kind of like to talk about kind of what we've been watching, what we've been playing, which have been really nice. We're kind of doing a couple of these back to back just to take it kind of back in the groove of things um, with mm-hmm. with how chaotic our lives have been. But so I'm going to start because I'm selfish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you are far from selfish, but I will let you start. <laughs> Last Fireside episode, I talked about how I was kind of wa- watching through the Marvel Cinematic Universe and and still kind of coming out of that. I'm still doing um, a good bit of kind of like just watching TV. I finished up uh, Jessica Jones, which was which was really mm-hmm. good. Uh, the second season was iffy, and that's I think where I right where I was in our last Fireside. The third season, I thought it wasn't as good as the first, but I thought it was really good. I thought it was really interesting because the main villain is actually non super. And so it was kind of interesting to see that and how that played and how, how like the supers had to take on someone who wasn't super kind of give me like these mm-hmm. Dexter vibes, not necessarily like, like the, the main villain is a serial killer, but like it, it wasn't necessarily like he wasn't killing good people, but it was a lot of these morality decisions that Jessica Jones had to make and kind of stuff like that, which I thought gotcha. was good. Coming out of that, me and my wife watched uh, Shadow and Bone, which is the new Netflix show. Have you heard about this or seen any trailers for it no i haven't i haven't heard anything about it okay so the shadow and bone it, it's a book it's a book written by leah Barduo. i probably butchered that name so i i apologize um <laughs> lee i'm sorry lee uh so i i know you're listening so um but it's in the same universe as six of crows which is, i okay. don't so did you read that one yeah yeah i read six of crows six of Crows is sort of a, um, it's like a thiefing book, right? Like yep. it's a medieval kind of, uh, you know, got a very like Ocean's Eleven type of feel to it, like yep. a thieving guild and yeah. Yep. So, which I thought was fantastic. I really like kind of that type of story, like the uh, yeah, uh, the thieving guild or the thieving crew type of story. But so mm-hmm. Shadow and Bone takes place in the same universe, same author. And the book actually takes place in historical or in, in in the past compared to as a, compared to Six of Crows. However, okay. in the show, they brought in the thieving crew from Six of Crows and they actually play like an integral part in the 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 Netflix adaptation. So oh, they kind cool. of melded both of them. So they kind of did significantly better kind of like the meld of Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow into like one story to kind of tell a whole mm-hmm. or like to tell more of a story. But it's uh it was it was fantastic. I I the story was really good, but also just like the cinematography was was really good. I really enjoyed the way that they shot it. There was a lot of really cool. It's just a beautiful show overall. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, what it is is they're they're in this time where the what they have is like a what they call is a fold was created, and it's basically like a giant wall of shadow that splits like the country into two, and okay. like it it's like people's job to get. Th- through the shadow like they can't really go around because then you pass into other people's countries and mm-hmm. if you go in you have to be like completely dark and these like monsters that were the people living in that region when the shadow was or when the fold was created are like turned into like these monsters and so if you like have light then they come and they're like these winged beasts and they come and attack you and stuff mm. um and so it's kind of like all about that and trying to get rid of it and 
it was created by the ancestor or one of the ancestors of um, one of the characters in the show that has like the power over like darkness. And so they're trying to find his counterpart, which is like the sun seeker, uh, which has the power over light. And they think that if they can find the sun seeker, then that that person can like abolish the fold. And so mm. it, it's it's really interesting. It, I really like the magic systems. And I don't quite remember if they go into the magic systems a lot in Six of Crows. I think they kind of talk yeah, about I really it. I don't remember there being much of a magic, yeah. like a strong presence of a magic system. Like I remember it being, if I'm remembering correctly, I remember it being kind of ancillary, like it was around or something, but not a big yeah. part of the story. Yeah, I, that's how I recall it as well. This one, the magic users in this universe are called Grisha. And Shadow and Bone is part one of the Grisha cycle. And so this one is significantly more focused around magic users. Okay. Uh, and the magic system, there are, there are three different types of magic users. They can manipulate like weather or energy. One of them can. One of them can manipulate like humans. And then the third one can manipulate materials. And so you'll have like Grisha that can manipulate fire. Okay. You can have Grisha that can like uh, manipulate materials to make them... Like they're they're kind of like the manufacturers of the world, but then like the special Grisha are like the the ones who can control like light and dark, and there's only one of those. And so, I I thought it was a really good show. I thought the story was really cool, and I thought the magic system mm-hmm. was really. That's fun. a cool way also, to like break up and. Definitely, it was really cool also to see all of the characters from Six of Crows in, in this show as well. Only season one is out currently, and I think it was only about eight episodes easily digestible they're all eight episodes are out netflix style where they they release all of them at the same time so i i I recommend it i think that it was a great show do you know like do you plan first of all do you plan to read the book um my wife did and she really enjoyed it um okay and it was kind of funny because she was reading the book to watch the show show. so she wanted to read the book before she watched the show and then she was talking to me about how there's actually like characters from another book from the author in it so she wanted to read that and so she went to the library and picked up six of crows and i'm like looking at it i'm like i've seen that book before i think i've read that (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of one of those i i don't know i think it would be something that i would enjoy reading at some point in my life but i think that there are just so many things that are already in the queue that this one's probably Mm -hmm. not at the top of the list for me to read yeah just just i i (laughs) i have a lot i have a lot of backlog to get through um for sure so some something that was really good. My wife really enjoyed the show as well after reading the book, and so it's probably something that I will that I will get to eventually. But it's not anything that's immediate. Yep. It's an immediate need to read. So, well, yeah. Cool. So that's kind of what I've been watching. I've been reading some stuff, but we'll get into that uh, probably at a different different episode. What what are yep. you been reading or playing? I was thinking about. Um, I was. I've been thinking a lot about Roll for the Galaxy. I wanted to like take a minute to talk talk it over with you i think we've like mentioned this game and maybe even described it a little bit on the on the podcast but if you're if you're not familiar i think both of us actually played race for the galaxy first yeah yeah yeah. which is a card game sort of a it's it's a, it's like a, i think we mentioned it maybe in the engine builder episode because um, it's a neat little yeah i think that was our low complexity engine builder recommendation i think so. oh yeah and then yeah because i think you played that like almost right before we recorded that episode yeah that like that weekend yeah 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 um so roll for the galaxy is set up very similarly but you are you're using it's focusing around dice instead of cards so there are there are still cards but you have um dice that are sort of um i guess it, it would be a dice 
placement game. It's basically using like work or maybe dice is dice placement. You think that might be the wrong <laughs> term? I think it, of that as like because um, your dice aren't locked, right? Right. So. It has some elements of a dice placement. It's kind of like it's whatever you roll are your actions, but then you can use mm-hmm. your dice for different things. So mm-hmm. I I don't know how I would classify yeah. that game. Um, it's it's interesting, yeah. like the the way that you're doing it, but yeah, yeah. Your dice definitely feel like your workers in the way that they do in like dice placement games, which is why I think I'm like tempted to use that term. And then once they're like used as a worker, they get like discarded to a pool and you have to like buy them back out of that pool. The main thing that it retains from Race for the Galaxy, which is a really fun mechanic, is that your workers can be assigned to do one of five things. Yeah. Um, and those are like the five kind of like basically everyone will assign all of their workers based on what they roll. And then the phases, uh, the kind of it switches to the action phase. Everybody reveals what they assigned. And you work through the five like actions, and if you assigned workers to that action, you get to take it like a certain number of times based on how many, basically once for each like die that you place there. The trick is though that you as a player can may only designate one phase to like to happen. So you're kind of yeah. saying like I want you know I want the explore phase to happen. You assign dice to any of the phases that you want to. Um, if you're saying that you are wanting the explore phase to happen, you will have at least one worker assigned there. But then you're kind of like hoping or banking that the other players like <laughs> choose the other phases that you're assigning right. your dice yep. to, um, and you are always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, because if if and that's, you don't have dice assigned to a phase that someone activates, you don't get to participate. But if you did, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm remembering this correctly. Mm. So if like if you had something like on settle, you picked explore. Mm. Someone else picked settle, and you had two dice on settle. You could then activate those two dice. But right. anything on the develop right. action would be lost at that point. Like if it wasn't exactly, activated yeah. by another player. Yeah. If it wasn't activated, right. So your mm-hmm. dice would just like be, yeah. you would just whiff on that turn. Those dice would be useless. Um, and that's how I play the game. I try to whiff as many dice as I can, apparently, I as far as I can tell. Think, <laughs> I think that's, that's a good way to I'm do it. Yeah. <laughs> just assign your dice to the phases that aren't going to be activated by other players. But so how, how many times have you played this game? I have played it once virtually and probably three times. I bought the I bought it okay. right after we played it. My my uh, hitherto so my local game shop actually had a like a, a dinged and dented copy for mm. I think it was like thirty five or something. Like it was it was a really with all that dice, it's a fairly expensive game. Um, yeah, but yeah, I saw that. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm buying that. So <laughs> so yeah. I, I grabbed a copy of it. Cool. cool. It's also a lot more fun not virtually you get to roll for sure yeah we've done it over the game night (laughs) yeah exactly um we've done it over the on our during our like game night a couple of times um and it's fun because it's a good like it's an approachable game it's fun to teach the mechanics too but you can tell playing it you're like i would enjoy this a lot more in person it's also it's so like finicky to try and like move dice around virtually when you know if you just like it had rolled them physically you could just be like Like, yeah i would just be able to use my fingers and just place them where i want them to go and i have to click them one at a time with a mouse and drag them wherever i want to go but the reason I wanted to ask you about it and the reason I kind of wanted to bring it up is I have felt like there are only two strategies that you can do. Like, in other words, there is like, there's this settle, there, there's a mechanic for basically like making planets. Um, and then there's a mechanic for like shipping goods. Um, yep. There are two ways to end the game, if I'm remembering correctly. One of them is to place a certain number of planets and one of, and the other one is essentially to ship like a certain number of goods. It's basically to like, acquire a certain number of like uh like a like a soft victory point token 
because either planets have a printed victory point on them or you can like ship goods and they will give you a certain number of like victory point tokens and if you run that pool out that's like the other way to get in the game yep um, and so it ended up feeling like you basically are trying to uh, and i've only played the game like i think twice at this point and so the reason i wanted to kind of like put this in front of you and hear your perspective is because i felt like you either kind of have to commit to like oh i'm going to try and like make an engine that builds planets and ends the game that way or i'm going to try and like make an engine to ship stuff and end the game that way um both of them kind of require that multiple actions are happening so like you aren't going to be able to just like activate like a single action every single phase and and just win the game that way like both of them are going to require a balance of multiple things getting activated during every phase in order for you to be the most effective but i think i was a little bit like disappointed with that that i felt like i was being kind of strong-armed into two strategies did you kind of like feel that way when you've played it Uh, yes and no so i i will say that i think race does a much better job in in the sense of you don't necessarily you don't have to do just one of those two things i think races cards play much nicer together and i think in Mm -hmm. race maybe i'm just playing role wrong but i think in race it's a lot easier to see a lot more cards and so you can find those combos a lot more effectively i just think Mm -hmm. that exploring in role is a lot harder to do uh, mm-hmm. And let's let's take a second to explain what what yeah. Nelson means by that because a lot of the when we talk about cards, those are mainly like basically the planets and like whatever the other. There's like two things. It's like planets and what are they? Developments. Developments. Yeah, that that you can make, and a lot of them will have some additional ability in addition to like just the victory point bonus that they give you. Some of those are small, like little engine building pieces, and some of them are huge. They're like huge, like victory point altering things where it's like if you have you know a certain number of developments of this type or if you have shifted like you know this many good or what like there's all these different things that it can be and they're strong enough to where they can really be like strategy defining if you you know if you know to find them and and have an ability to i call those the six cost developments so there are developments that Mm -hmm. are both in race and in role that are cost six and that they have they give you victory points in other ways rather than trading and just building developments or uh, settling planets and I think that it's harder in role to find those because it's harder to explore. But I think if you are able to find one of those and build your strategy around it, that would be kind of a third path um, that could mm-hmm. score you a good amount of victory points. I will say that I think the the trading mechanism in Roll for the Galaxy is um, a lot more strong than I initially realized. With, with trading, you're able to get score like three victory points from the common pool. Uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in t- but if you're able to build up an engine and you're able to score that every round, every other round, that, that can really get going. Um, mm-hmm. And I I have lost in the game by ending the game with the 12 development slash settlements and lost to my opponent who scored just from trading. And so yep. I, think, I think that's a part of it. I think that the biggest thing in order to pull out a victory in that game is to time... And understand what your opponents are going to be doing, and mm-hmm. so and same for race because you, like, you're only able to activate one action a turn or like a round, and so mm-hmm. if you're only taking advantage of one action a round, it's much slower than if you can take advantage of three, or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, I, I can see where you're going because the settling settling the planets is really good because a lot of those will give you kind of like your mana fixing and with all dice just comes randomness Uh, but a lot of the planets allow you to get different types of dice or newer types of dice that's going to Mm -hmm. focus more on what you're trying to do or some of the developments but i think a lot of the planets in that allow you to kind of like you know mess with some dice too 
And so, oh yeah, that, like mess with the dice faces, do the dice yeah. fixing. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see that complaint. I think that that's a valid complaint. Um, I totally think that race is a better game than Roll for the Galaxy, but I think mm-hmm. I enjoy playing Roll for the Galaxy more. Like the mechanics yeah. for race are higher, but my experience is higher for Roll, just mm-hmm. because. I, I don't know. I feel like you have to play a lot of Race for the Galaxy to kind of get good at Race for the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and something about the like the tactile nature of like rolling these dice and seeing what you get and, and where you're going to place them and stuff like that's very rewarding. I still I think you're right that in either game the mechanic of like which where am I going to assign people, but also like which one am I going to activate is a really fun decision and you get to make it a lot and it's a very involved game you're constantly doing things everybody takes their cert- their turns simultaneously and there's a lot of rounds and so you get to make that decision which is like a very fun decision to make and think through you get to make it a lot yeah it's it kind of goes back to what you were talking about a couple episodes ago where it, it's one of those games where there's definitely elements of playing the player rather than playing the game when we we're that's mm-hmm. when we were talking about the gallerist um mm-hmm. right where you, there was that lacked in the gallerist but there is no lack here uh, in trying to read right. and understand your your opponent's strategy and trying to play off of that. And I think we've just played the base game. So I don't know if that changes in, with, with the expansions. The expansions are really expensive. It's Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I think they're like 60 bucks because, I mean, like, it's just because they add dice, right? So mm-hmm. it's just really hard to manufacture. And so I, yeah. I, have never, I have not played the game enough to want to buy an expansion for it, but maybe that fixes some of it. I've heard the expansions are great, but mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. not not something I'm looking for. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, thanks for talking talking through that with me. Because it's definitely a game that I want to continue to play. I was just, I was struggling with that dilemma. And so it's helpful to have, you know, have some perspective on that. Yeah, it's a great game to like kind of kick back. It's, it's, it feels like a slightly more advanced quacks in, in like the yeah. niche that it feels, fills, yeah. uh, right? So you can kind of like, it's kind of the game where I want to be either at the end of the night or I want to be drinking and playing. Um, mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. I really like the game. I don't think, it's not a game I get upset when I lose. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's maybe how we should start describing those types of games. I don't care if I lose type of games. For sure. Like and they don't overstay their welcome. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a I have a board game topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. So I I've been talking a lot about Marvel Champions the last the last couple of episodes just because it's a fantastic game and everyone needs to buy it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so Marvel Champions is published by Fantasy Flight Games, and it's kind of their third um, cooperative living card game. So the okay. other one that we have played together is Arkham, or the uh, LCG. When yep. we put, we played that online, which I thought was a great game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that I, I Marvel Champions I like it a lot more than uh, Arkham, but I think that Arkham is would be probably a much better two player game because it's so narrative driven and going through that story with somebody. So mm-hmm. and also I just really like the theme <laughs> of Marvel Champions more than Arkham. Yeah, but then the granddaddy uh, of all of uh, of those two games is Lord of the Rings, the card game. Um, mm-hmm. And I dived into Lord of the Rings, the card game. So I, I actually that's just, a big step. It's a big step. So they <laughs> so Fantasy Flight Games started publishing Lord of the Rings, the card game, in 2011. Um, uh-huh. It was kind of their first cooperative living card game, and it was the first. It, it kind of like revolutionized it. Like this, this wasn't a thing before. Like you had Magic and all the trading card games, but but Lord of the Rings, and they've stopped creating new material last year. So, okay. um, so 
they're done with the new material. They're still printing it all, but they they kind of done that. And so our fellow board venger, uh, Jason, D20 Woodworking, we've been talking a lot. Uh, we kind of do the, uh, the Clubhouse Tuesday night chats together, uh, but he's kind of really into all the, the living card games. And so with me picking up Marvel Champions, I've been talking with him a lot. And so I, I decided to try out Lord of the Rings as well. And so it actually just got here today. Um, and I played my first game right before we recorded the episode. Very cool. And, and it's got a lot of similarities to Marvel Champions. It's it's a lot more complex. And the designers, it's the same designers as Champions and Lord of the Rings are the same designers. And so okay. uh, Champions has benefited from 10 years of design experience uh, from from Lord of the Rings. But Lord of the Rings, I think, offers a lot more customization which is nice um so like Mm -hmm. you pick three heroes um in lord of the rings instead of just having the one and based on those three heroes basically dictate what aspects you can play in your deck and so there's a lot of decisions to be made there it's a lot harder than marvel champions (laughs) so so i I, i'm interested to do that but what what i'm really excited about is that the, the way that they released it is that they would have one big box expansion and then like six smaller expansions that all tied to that big box that just came out and so Mm -hmm. those are called cycles um which are which are cool um but what i'm really excited about is they have the saga expansions where they have the hobbit fellowship two towers and return of the king each one of those books has two big box expansions and the saga expansions you play through the events of each one of those books wow so i'm very excited to do that and so that's a lot of content that's a lot of content. It, there's 10 years worth of content out there, and a lot of it's really hard to find. And so I'm like, you know, twitching a little bit with my completionist self, but I'm not like, I didn't buy it all, right? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like kind of <laughs> focusing. And uh, D20 Woodworking gave me uh, kind of like, hey, this is what I think you would enjoy, and kind of like to start out to see if you like it. And so I'm kind of going through that. I plan yep. to go through that, but I really enjoyed my first play, and I, I'm excited to see where it goes because. Because like I like the theme more than Marvel Champions, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know which one I will like more. Um, Marvel Champions right now for sure, because I've played a lot of games of that and only one game of Lord of the Rings. But I'm excited to yep. see more. I'm excited to see more. So, we'll you'll we'll, I'll give an update here in a couple of episodes. Okay, um, yeah, we'll <laughs> <how it's going. laughs> oh. be able to do a a focused episode on living card games here in a, <laughs> yeah, in a couple exactly. months. I, that'd be interesting. I could do that. Yeah, only only on like uh. Well, I guess I've played. It's not. Uh, I guess it's a living card game. Star Wars Destiny. I don't. I don't remember if it was living card game or a trading card dice game. Mm-hmm. But I played that. I've played Arkham uh, four times. If you start so. to throw in like Ashes, Summoner Wars, right? Oh yeah, shoot, you're right. We played. We played a lot. We played of a lot of card games. Then we played a like. lot of living card games, and it's like. Yeah. I guess I didn't like realize it until. Which is a dumb statement because I played thousands of games, um, but I guess I didn't like realize <laughs> it until uh, like Marvel Champions. For whatever reason, that type of game, I just um, just kind of really works for me, um, mm-hmm. especially like the just being able to think about it, building the decks. And I think I probably yeah. have more fun building and constructing a deck than I do actually playing the game. Um, for sure. Which I don't know if that's normal or not, and I think that's one of the reasons <laughs> I didn't enjoy Arkham as much as I think I would if I played it again. 
because mm-hmm. we we basically had our decks built for us um, from from someone who knew the game, which which was fine. Like we yeah, kind of also like to be it. fair, like yeah, he he took a lot of input. For oh, us, absolutely. But living like, card I think games. He did a great job. And like, but our and again, like. I think you kind of have to do that right in your first play of a living card yeah. game. Like when we played Marvel together, you built my deck for me. It's like, dude, yep. I don't know this game. Like just put some <laughs> cards in there and I'll, and I'll yep. try it. Um, unfortunately with Arkham, it's a, it's a, it's a mini campaign. So you're like, yep. you're like, Oh, okay. Now I understand the game. Like now I kind of wish I could build a deck, but like I'm kind of yep. stuck with this until we finish the campaign. Yeah. Um, there is like also some upgrading and you can add a little card, but like the core of your deck is pretty much set. And so these like shorter ones where it's like, oh, I'll just play something different. You know, I'll, I'll give it a try. And then next game I'll, I'll play something. I'll, I'll build my own deck on the second play or whatever. Um, yeah, I can see how that's rewarding for you. And I, I totally agree that like that, that is the main draw of that archetype of game, right? Is that it's like solve the puzzle before you start playing. And then you're just executing your strategy and trying to learn as you play the game and try to make adjustments. Um, but you if you feel like you had like bad luck or you were set up poorly, it's like, okay, that, but that was my fault. Like I, <laughs> yep. I put these cards I did, in here. <laughs> I did this to myself. <laughs> I did this to myself. Yeah. I I'm excited to play more. The first game, um, I, I won, which is, which is good. It was a difficulty level of one. So, and I don't know how high they go, but they don't go lower <laughs> than one. So, <laughs> so we'll, yep. we'll see how that holds up, but, off to a good start, though. Yeah, off to a good start. You did not but... fail kindergarten, so. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you want to hop into, uh, you want to do some icebreakers? Oh, you know what? I was just going to say that. Nice. We, we got it. We'll, we'll knock out it. We'll knock out one icebreaker. We'll, we'll do one. Um, and this one kind of is both a book and a board game. So, this one's from Emily. So, I think you know her. Um, so, <laughs> what book or board game would you like to see turned into a physical escape room oh yeah Ooh. we're gonna say exit doesn't count exit doesn't count unlock we're gonna just cut that one um, yeah <laughs> well, that's interesting underwater city sounds terrifying uh, <laughs> what what was that i think uh i think we saw or i showed you that onion article that was like Studies have shown that people with severe claustrophobia do not like being locked in small boxes underwater or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Wait, what's this study for? <laughs> you're you're going to do what to me? Why are we in a boat? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Terrible answers to the question first, yeah. right? Yeah, you exactly. Out we'll, we'll just get cities. all of those. We'll just yeah, get all uh, Jurassic Park. Out. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That would actually be really cool. That would be a really cool. If you cool got one. out. If you got out, yeah. Clever girl. You're right, clever girl. <laughs> I guess if you assume that it's just a theming thing and that the escape room is inherently safe because they want to have returning customers or some other BS. Um, <laughs> Capitalism. Then, then Jurassic Park could be a cool one. Yeah. I think Jurassic Park would be a really cool one. Yeah. Um, I like dinos. Yeah, dinos are awesome. I'm trying to think of like interesting board game themes magic maze i think would be a really cool i think that'd be a fun one you could have like oh, that a would timed, be kind of a fun one you could have like a timed stressful element where you know everyone's you know it's kind of almost an escape room already right you're right you're running around with these pawns trying to get things and get out before the time runs out so i i could see how that would transition pretty well um yeah yeah especially since it has the added element of like go find the thing and then get out Right. As opposed to yeah. just like solve these individual puzzles or whatever. Yeah. I, I could see. Okay. So 
here's one. I've been I've been reading through Mistborn, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think a Mistborn one would be pretty cool where you have to go through and find all the allomantic metals to, you know, you need to find pewter to, to move the big block out of the way. Oh, yeah. And then you have to go and you have to, so it's kind of like these two things. So you have to understand what the metals do or figure out what the metals do, uh, but also find them and then like solve the puzzle utilizing um, that that kind of knowledge. I think yeah. that'd be kind of cool. That's a good point that like inherently probably a hard magic system kind of lends itself to this type of thing right because like yeah. the reader is supposed to be sort of problem solving alongside the hero in a hard magic like system book anyway and so just right. kind of like applying yeah. that to a to an escape room it's sort of just like allowing the participants or whatever to experience that same kind of problem solving so yeah yeah that'd be good okay yeah i think i think i'll probably stick with that slash magic maze um, yeah, you're gonna lock, you're gonna lock those in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if you're gonna do a both a book and like one book and one board game, I'll I'll do the same. So I have had a ton of quacks on the mind. Um, so I'm, <laughs> okay, <laughs> quacks of Quedlinburg, and that mostly because I've been playing it a lot. And we talked about it, I think maybe two, a couple of episodes ago. But for that same reason, kind of that you listed for Mistborn, kind of the I think it would make for a fun escape room type topic of like, okay, what almost like a trial and error of like, what am I throwing into my potion and what's it going to end up doing yeah yeah, yeah. Um, based on like these different you know ingredients like you have in quacks and then i I'd, i haven't i've never done an escape room actually first of all so we oh I don't really know, have, you, have you ever done one yeah i've done a couple they're a lot of fun we should definitely do one. yeah i've i really want to like i think yeah, i think you would, really, I think enjoy I would really enjoy it yeah yeah so i i, I say that as a like you know, <laughs> grain of salt with my answers like i have right. no idea if you know i've never actually done one but like there's, you know, there's an element of randomness in quacks. And so it would be interesting to see like, cause they're so focused typically on like solving the puzzle, solving the, like the yep. problem. Yep. Um, it'd be interesting to see like how successful would it be and how well could a element of luck be like be introduced to something like that? Yeah. That'd be really I interesting. I like that. It may totally or fail. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a push your luck and it gets harder if you screw up early. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like that, that was your board game one the quacks of quedlinburg are you going to stick with jurassic park i thought that was a pretty good I, one you're going to stick with that yeah i think so book? now that i've been thinking about it more i'm i'm liking it as it as i let it simmer and i let it grow on me you know yeah um, i'm i'm kind of surprised i don't think i have seen a dinosaur themed escape room before i i would have assumed that those were those were around so maybe you're on right, it feels like here. it should be kind of natural yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be a cool one have you like yeah. have you actually read jurassic park yes fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. I th- it's a it's a trilogy, right? Like there there are more than one book. Yeah, there's more than one book. Um, I I don't remember if it's actually a trilogy or or not. There, um, there's Michael Crichton books. is the author. Yeah. Um, and he I've read like I've read multiple books from him, and I I just really like his his style. He's very like he's very he's one of those people who like he will get a really good idea for a book, and then he'll like <laughs> write a book about that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and he does have like a great writing style and he has great like narrative techniques to back it up. Like it's not like it's just a, a theme, but right. it's like every single book has like, has like a, a tw- like a thing, like a twist or a gimmick or like something, you know, like yeah. Jurassic Park where like it asks this single question of what if we could get dinosaurs back? How would like <laughs> yep. greedy, corrupt corporate America like take advantage of that, you know? And, and then, it, and then he just like lets that play out. And it is different. If you haven't read it, it is, it's not like hugely different, but like the storyline is like, I don't know, maybe 80% similar to like what you see in the movies. Um, and I, and I, I think it's still like, it's still a good movie. They've made like changes. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think I have read the book more than I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I've read the book three times. I think I've only seen the movie one time, maybe twice, maybe okay. twice, but yeah. probably one that I should, should break back out and watch. <laughs> right. 
came out the year we were born. That's that's nice. That's crazy yeah. that they were able to do all of that in nineteen. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's especially because it's not like a it's not a CGI type of movie. Like it's an animatronic yep. movie. You yeah. Know? Wow. That's just impressive. That's so impressive. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Cool. We are not like fully qualified to tell like all the ins and outs of like why Jurassic Park is an you know a cinematic right. accomplishment. Yeah. Um, but, but we really like the book. <laughs> yeah, we really like the book. And if you know why Jurassic Park is a cinematic accomplishment, we would like to know. So you can reach out to us <laughs> on our social media platforms. I think the best spot for that to to hold a discussion on the amazingness that is Spielberg would be our Discord. So you can join our Discord. It's going to be in the show notes. Um, I almost said like down below because we're like virtual and like that's what the YouTubers do. Like yeah. point down. <laughs> show notes down below. But hit subscribe yeah yeah (laughs) smash that subscribe button give us a thumbs up (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah uh god that's funny um but yeah so uh join our discord we we're talking about a bunch of stuff over there um the other places that you can find us probably the best place would be instagram um so we post a bunch of pictures and talk to a lot of people over there so got anything else i'm good for tonight man Awesome. Well, it was great talking with you. I'm glad. I'm glad we're starting to feel a little bit better and have, and that we're able to record, record more. So. For sure, for sure. We're awesome. looking to be back in person soon. Yes. Woo. I'll be looking fun. forward to it. Yeah. Awesome. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. <laughs>